Welcome to another podcast episode of DIY Guitar Making. I also produce video episodes of DIY Guitar Making live in the workshop. To find both the podcasts and the videos all in one place, go to DIYGuitarMaking.com. You can even subscribe to the email list there to receive new episodes, both the videos and the podcasts, directly in your inbox as they come out. Again, that's DIYGuitarMaking.com. And with that, let's get to the show. Hey guys, this is just a special note for the listener, particularly if you are listening to this podcast soon after it has come out. I am adding the old Q&A episodes that are normally on my DIY guitar making YouTube channel. I am adding those to the library of the podcast, starting from the earliest Q&A until I'm, I work my way up to the current day, in which case then... As new Q&As come out, they will be loaded to both the podcast and the YouTube channel and my website. So anyway, all of this is just to say, if you're listening to this soon after it came out, some of the uh, sort of promotional things that I mentioned about the online courses and the workshops and things like that might be out of date. If you want current information on that, just go to my website, ericschaferguitars.com. Let's get to the first question. This question comes from Mohan. In India, teak wood is available easily in variety and also a price-friendly option as compared to other imported woods. Kindly let me know if we can use teak as a guitar wood. If not, why? Well, Mohan, there's a good reason you don't hear of teak being used in the guitar industry. I've never used teak myself, but by all accounts, it would seem to be a terrible wood for acoustic guitar building. It's oily, it's dense, it's hard on your tools, and it has really big pores. Teak, as you may know, is a popular boat-building wood, and this is because it's very rot-resistant. But this means also that it's very oily. From what I've heard, it's actually more oily than even ebony or rosewood, and even those woods can be somewhat problematic when you're gluing up joints. Um, there's usually a adherence problem with the glue if you don't prepare the wood properly. Now that problem is pretty minimal on woods like ebony and rosewood, although you should still clean the surfaces properly before gluing them. But with teak, uh, again, I haven't used it, but it being more oily than rosewood and ebony, well, then you just have more preparation problems to worry about. And teak is also very, very dense and so it's very, very hard on your tools. And uh, it sounds to me like you're trying to save money. That's why you're looking at uh, locally sourced wood around you like teak, which is great. I think that's a great thing to do. Um, you should probably look around and maybe you can find some other locally sourced wood. But I think going down the route of trying to save money by using teak, you're going to find that you're actually going to probably be spending more money in just sheer labor costs and in the damage to your tools because it's so hard on tools. There's definitely a hidden cost there when it comes to maintaining tools and their workability. I also mentioned that teak has really big pores. Why does that matter? That matters because when you're applying a finish, you have to fill those pores. And so it's just another 
reason why this wood, I think, is going to be a big pain in the butt for you. It's not easy to fill pours. It takes time, so there's another added labor cost, or really just, when I say labor cost, I mean another strain on your time as far as the amount of labor you have to put into a particular wood. And for all of that difficulty, it seems that there's no evidence that this is a tone wood or a, a wood that's going to sound good when you use it for back and sides. Um, certainly, I wouldn't use it for a soundboard. Before answering this question, I googled around a little bit and checked some forums just to see um, if anyone had any anecdotal evidence of this being used as a wood and if it as a, as a tone would, and if it sounded good. And really, all that came up was just complaints about the workability and the oiliness and those other things I mentioned. So again, there's, there's no anecdotal evidence that after all of that trouble, it's even going to sound good. Not to mention it being as dense as it is, it probably has the tonal qualities of something like ebony, which is not a true tone wood. So I hate to be the crusher of dreams, but I'm going to say don't do it. I would try to find some other ways to save money or to source things locally. There may even be other abundant, uh, more suitable options just right at your fingertips there. So just take a look around, see what you find. Okay, and this question is from the members forum in the online guitar building school. It comes from Levent. Event writes, I am planning to buy a quality number five jack plane. I found one on Lee Nielsen Toolworks. They sell it with different frog options. I don't know which angle would be the best. Does anyone have any thoughts about this? So first of all, good on you for going for quality in your hand plane. Hand planes are definitely, uh, probably more than anything else, the category of tools where your money really goes a long way. I'd say the same thing about bandsaws. You want to put good money into the bandsaw model that you buy, and likewise with hand planes. Lee Nielsen is an excellent brand, so I don't see any problems there. And the short answer is that I would just go with the standard angle jack plane, because that is truly going to be, as the name of the plane suggests, a jack of all trades. It's going to work well for jointing the plates, but it's also going to work well for um, other situations where you're either thicknessing with a plane or beveling edges. It's just a good all-around angle, which is why it's the most popular. The only jack plane that I have is a 45-degree standard angle jack plane, but for my block planes, I have some alternate angles. And uh, the only thing that I've really noticed about it, there's not a big difference between the variety of bedding angles that you can get as far as the results that they give. But I have noticed in certain difficult situations, like say I'm planing uh, an ebony face or something like that, sometimes I'll be using one angle of block plane and it won't be cutting well or at all. And then I'll switch to either the higher standard angle or down to the low angle plane and suddenly it will be carving well. Um, at least in my experience, I actually haven't noticed any specific situation where one angle performs better than the other. I've just noticed that sometimes switching between the planes tends to solve the problem. It's kind of funny. You would expect a certain type of grain, say end grain or something like that, to be worked better by either the low angle or the high angle. 
but I've had success um, with both types of planes with seemingly no rhyme or reason as to why one's working better than the other. So I know that's not a great answer. That's more of an anecdotal answer about my, what my experience with a variety of betting angles has been. So if anybody else in the members forum has different experiences with that, I'd love to hear it. Either way, those other angled planes are really specialty planes. And when you're just starting out with building up your tool base, you want to just get those standard angled planes. All right. And Sergeant BF Gunner asks, have you experimented with solid catalosh necks? Wondering how it compares strength and stability wise versus solid rosewood. Thanks. So yeah, I have not tried catalosh as a neck. It would be a really dense, heavy neck, which actually a heavy, dense neck should be good for sustain. But just having worked with Catalosh with fretboards and bridges, it is incredibly hard to work, dense, hard on your tools, just a tough freaking material. And carving a neck through that stuff, man, that's going to be some just brutal work. But it could make for a cool neck. Um, so what I'm going to do here is I'm, I'm popping over to wood-database.com whenever I'm kind of uh, looking ahead at certain woods that I haven't really tried in certain situations yet, I'll go onto this website, wood-database.com. And it's a really great site for comparing the, the many properties of woods, Janka hardness, um, elastic modulus, the tree size, which is great because getting the diameter of the trunk just tells you whether or not you're even going to be able to get uh, planks wide enough to accommodate, say, guitar plates or whatever you're using it for. But anyway, let's go take a look at this right now, and I can see if Cataloche compares favorably or not to East Indian Rosewood. So I'm looking at Cataloche, and of course the Janka hardness is just off the frickin' charts, 3,660 pounds, um... Modulus of elasticity is 3,715,000, which is three times, almost three times, greater than East Indian rosewood, which is 1,668,000 foot-pounds per square inch. Which, when we're talking about the strength of a neck, which is what you asked about, that's the first thing I look at, is that modulus of elasticity, which basically tells you at what point, how much uh, stress has to be put on this piece of wood before it will deform permanently. There's a certain amount of spring back that wood has, so its ability to recover from stress. That's the elastic modulus. And so it's great in that regard. It's better than East Indian rosewood. And next thing I look at for, uh, you also asked about, Stability, which is very important in guitar necks, of course. Its TR ratio for Catalosh is 1.9 compared to East Indian Rosewood's 2.2. So they're both very similar. TR ratio, by the way, is the tangential slash radial ratio, meaning uh, what's the difference between the shrinkage on the tangential face and the radial face? 
And that tells you how much the material is going to warp and twist as opposed to pure volumetric shrinkage, which just tells you how much that piece of wood is going to shrink in total. It's actually less important of a thing to know is that volumetric shrinkage. The TR ratio tells you how much it's going to shrink disproportionately on its separate faces, which is what leads to all that warping. So I'd say it compares favorably in that regard too, or at least it's about the same. So yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell from, you know, here sitting in front of my laptop, <laughs> not having actually put together a Catalosh neck, but having worked with it with fretboards and bridges, um, yeah, it might be worth trying out. Uh, if you do try it, I'd love to hear about it, man. But do keep in mind, if you pull up Honduran Mahogany on wooddatabase.com, you'll notice that it does not compare favorably as far as stability to Honduran Mahogany, which, is, of course, is the gold standard of neck woods. It really has an incredible stiffness-to-weight ratio that can't be beat. But you were asking how it compared to rosewood, which, of course, working with a wood like rosewood, you just realize that you're, you're dealing with those um, less-than-optimal stability issues. Okay, so that's it for now. If you'd like to ask a question in a future episode, your best chances of getting it in the episode is to ask in the members' forum of the Online Guitar Building School. Of course, you have to be a member of the Online Guitar Building School to do that. Otherwise, you can leave a question in the YouTube comments. If you enjoyed this and you learned something here, please subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you are enjoying this on at the moment. And if you want to really learn more, take one of my structured online courses at ericschaferguitars.com. Or you can register for a hands-on guitar building workshop here with me in Burnville, Pennsylvania. Bye for now.